Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was while they were there that the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying, which was told them concerning this child and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Father, we are so thankful for this time. What a time to be alive. Thank you, Lord, for calling us and choosing us and equipping us to not just survive what's happening in a world around us, but to thrive and prosper all the way through it. And what a time this is that we're in right now, Father, a season where all eyes turn to you and to the greatest gift that's ever been given to mankind, the gift of Jesus. We make a big deal out of him. He's everything to us. This gift means everything. He is grace. He is the source of our faith. He's our savior, our healer, our deliverer, our prince of peace. And with our eyes turned to you and our hearts set on him today, we ask you, Lord, to manifest your, yourself and your presence in this church. Father, if you're looking through the world for people to show yourself strong to, we say stop here. 
because you have a room full of people. You have a family here that will honor you and whose hearts will be loyal towards you. And when the rest of the world seems to depart from you, not us, not us, this is still your time. We are still your people. This is now and will always be your church. Thank you, Lord, for the good work you've begun in us. We call you faithful to finish it. We ask you for the anointing and the help of the Holy Spirit to minister your word to your people. We give you the praise and glory for the good things that will come from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. You know, a couple of years ago, two, three years ago now, I was lying in bed one night awake watching some videos and I was in there by myself and uh, I had gotten on this, in this rabbit hole. You know what I mean? When you see something online and then it brings something else up and it brings, and you just, next thing you know, you're deep in this hole. You don't know how you got there. And I got onto something and I was watching video after video of soldiers, men and women in the military, coming home to their families. And I got hooked, man. Especially these videos of dads coming home and surprising their kids. And the kids didn't know dad was home or that he was coming. And one after another after another, just these little compilations of videos, and it's these, these people don't know each other, and I don't know them, they don't know me, but it was like watching the same video over and over and over again. Dad would come walking through the door, or he would surprise them at school, or at a ball game, and it was like the same response every single time from kids all over the nation. It was, at first, if they're little kids, it was that shriek, Daddy! right? And then it was the run and the jump into their arms and the little girls, especially, they would wrap both arms and both legs around dad, bury their faces in his shoulder, and then do that cry. You know, the one where you don't hear a sound and you think, are you still breathing? And they're crying so deep and they're crying so hard because daddy's home and they hadn't seen him in months, maybe even a year or more. And it was like the same response over and over and over. And I'm sitting here watching, I'm probably on my, I don't know, 20th minute, 25th minute of just watching these videos. And Sarah comes walking in the room and she goes, are you crying? And I'm like, I'm not crying, you're crying. But man, she caught me, I was crying. I had big old tears in my eyes. I want to talk to you this morning about good news and great joy. And that's what I figured out later. That's why I like watching these things. The joy. It's, it's pure joy, especially coming out of a child. It is pure. It is unfiltered. It is unadulterated. It is unhindered. It is nothing but joy, man. And it expresses itself in a lot of different ways. You know, sort of the tears, the shriek. You remember the scripture talks to us about a joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what you're watching when you see a little kid who has no words because of the joy they're overcome with. I got to tell myself a little bit. I'd been watching these videos for a while. And uh, one day I was on an airplane, getting on an airplane in Dallas, flying to another city in the, in the States, getting ready to preach that weekend. And I was getting on the plane by myself and I noticed out of the corner of my eye, a young man in military uniform is getting on the same plane. I didn't think a whole lot of it, but it did catch my attention. Get on the plane, take off, fly, land, get to where I'm going. I get off the plane, walk through the terminal, make my way towards baggage claim. Now the baggage claim and the exit of the airport in this particular airport, it, it sort of emptied out from a long, narrow hallway. And as I'm walking down this hall, I get to the end of it and I see a young mother down like this with two kids, a young girl and a young boy, and she's got her phone out. And all of a sudden, it's clicking in my mind, right? That guy I saw get on the plane, this must be his family. 
and they're waiting for daddy to come home. Now, I've been watching all these videos, and I've been crying at home because of this. And I thought, I'm going to watch one in person. <laughs> Folks, I had no baggage. I, I checked nothing. I was there for one night. I had everything I needed in this little roller bag right here. I did not care. My ride was waiting for me right outside those doors, but he was going to wait because I found a corner that I could creepily hide in with my bag there and pretend like I'm waiting on something while I watched this family wait for daddy to come home. Now I waited there and waited there and waited there and I thought, what is going on? This dude was on my flight. I'm out, where is he? This is taking so long. And the kids are getting, getting antsy, getting restless. Now from where I was, like I said, hiding in the corner, I couldn't see the hallway, the one I, I just came down, I just could see where it opened up to, right? And then it, all of a sudden, I'm watching these kids it sounds so creepy now that I tell the story, but I'm, I'm, I'm just excited about what's about to happen. I'm watching these guys, and then all of a sudden, they look at mom, they look back down the hallway, they look at her, she gets out the phone, and she goes, okay, go ahead, and they run. Both of them run, take off, and jump into the open arms of their grandmother. made me so mad. Thanks a lot, Grandma. I didn't wait here for 20 minutes for you. Grandmothers. Nothing against grandmothers. I want to see some tears. I want to see Daddy come home. I didn't tell anybody that story for a little while. I was a little embarrassed. But I, like I said, I figured out later why I was so drawn to that. It's the joy. It's the joy. It got worse. I, I sort of just became like a sucker for these sappy videos, and particularly anything that had to do with family or kids. And I, got, I went from watching soldiers come home, y'all are going to laugh, to watching pregnancy announcements. And you can find compilations of husbands and wives videoing their parents as they tell them, right, you're going to be a grandparent. Or you can find the ones where the wife tells her husband. And some of the best ones are the ones that have wanted a baby for a long time and for whatever reason just hadn't. And now she's telling him and these big burly dudes just break down crying. And here I am laying in bed crying, right? And Sarah, she's shaking her head, but she knows the four of us have sat on our couch, huddled around an iPad, just watching these. They're going to have a baby. They're just so excited. But whether it's a soldier coming home or somebody having a baby, it's the joy, right? It's the joy. I love the look on some of these grandparents' faces. What? 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 You're having a, ah, ah, just, it's joy. It's joy. It's joy. I found one particular video. I won't give you the details of it, but the guy found out that his wife was pregnant before she did. And he had one of the, I think, probably ultra rare opportunities in life to say to his wife, congratulations, you're going to be a mother. <laughs> but I think as far as birth announcements, our pregnancy announcements goes, God set the bar pretty high. It's going to be hard to top that one. And you kind of get the sense on YouTube now that people are trying to top each other with their, their big displays and how they uh, announce this stuff. But folks, listen, God has already kind of set the bar pretty high. And you go back through the scriptures, Old Testament or New, and you find different Men and women, women who, who the cry of their heart was to have a child and they'd been barren and the angel of the Lord shows up. That's pretty, that's pretty up there. When the angel of the Lord shows up and said, you don't have a baby, right? That's a big announcement. This one though, with, with Mary, I think probably, well, I know it never happened before and has never happened again, where the dad <laughs> told the mother of the child, you're going to have a baby. And you can see her, her own confusion in it. How is this possible, right? But the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord brought this good news. 
And then you look not just at the announcement that he's coming, but the announcement that he's here. Luke chapter 2, we read this a second ago in verse 10. The angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. This is quite a birth announcement. The angel of the Lord is telling these people about it, and then all of a sudden the sky is filled up with the host, the heavenly host. And here's the good news, and here's the great joy. Verse 11, there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Good tidings, the angel said. Not something we say too often anymore. Good tidings. But it just means good news. Matter of fact, this, this very word, good tidings, shows up in the New Testament alone 55 times. But out of those 55 times, 45 of them are translated either preach or preach the gospel. So when these angels came and said, I have good tidings, it was actually, let me get ahead of myself here just for a second, it was the exact same word that Jesus himself used when he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. That's what this angel said. This was not what we have made it. This is not something that can be contained on the cover of a Christmas card. This is not something that can just merely be depict, depicted in an illustration or a painting. These angels came not with good tidings. These angels came <laughs> preaching what? The gospel. Because that's what gospel means, right? Good news. And when these angels showed up and this angel of the Lord arrived on the scene, the same thing happened to these shepherds that happened to countless others throughout the scriptures. They were terrified. They were afraid. But the angel said, don't be afraid. Why? I've got good news. I've got good news. Now, see, I think we need to work on our, 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 our mental idea of what these angels were like. This, this was not... This was not some sweet little thing, you know, with, with sweet Christmas music and carols playing in the background. These were full gospel angels. These are gospel preaching angels. And they said, don't be afraid. Why? Because I've got good news. And this angel starts preaching the good news. And all of a sudden, the angel choir shows up in the back. And this angel's preaching the gospel and the choir in the back going, uh-huh, that's right. And he says, unto you this day. Come on, help me out, angels. Unto you this day. What's he doing? Preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. Good tidings just doesn't seem to do it, does it? Good tidings. No, come on. Good news. Good news. The sky filled up that night with good news. What was the good news? For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Are you ready? Here's the good news. A savior. Oh, that's good news. That's good news. That is good news. And these angels came preaching the good news. And that's what the gospel is. They told him a savior's born. That's good news. You know, if you go back to the angel that came to Joseph after Joseph had a dream, you know, Mary tried to explain to him, here's what just happened. And Joseph said, uh-huh. But at least he's a good man. He's a kind man and not, not wanting to put her away publicly. You know, he's just going to kind of take care of this on the, on the side. And, and the angel came and started preaching to him. And the angel told Joseph that what Mary said was true and that this child would be the one that would save their people from their sins. What is that? That's good news. See, all of this is the preaching of the good news. It's the same word. In the scripture, translated good tidings is translated good news, to preach the good news. Now, the issue here is, if all you ever hear is the Christmas story, 
Now that's a good story and it's good news. I mean, it is good news that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's good news. That whoever would believe on him wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life. That's good news. And every detail, every element of this story, it's all the gospel. It's all the good news. But if all you ever heard was that part of it, you're not really hearing all the news. You're catching the headline. You're catching the headline of the news and it's good, man. You can get saved on the headline alone. It's that good. But do you realize that everything that happened from that moment forward, it's like the rest of the article. It's the rest of the story. It's all good news. And when Jesus said what he did in Luke chapter four, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel. I guess he could have said, I'm anointed to bring good tidings. I personally prefer preach the gospel. I just feel like it's got something in it, right? He said, the spirit of the Lord's on me. He's anointed me to, say it with me, preach the gospel. But turn over there and look at it with me. You're there in Luke 2, maybe. Just turn over a page or so and look at Luke chapter 4. Remember, Jesus said this in the synagogue in his own hometown. And he stood up to read in verse 18 of Luke 4. It says, the spirit of the Lord's upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Do you notice how much of this has to do with preaching, proclaiming, preaching, proclaiming? This is, this is his ministry. And it's why it's our ministry. Because it was his. See, the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to men. But to us, it's salvation. And if you go back and look at every one of these things, I mean, Jesus said the spirit's on me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel. I'm anointed to declare good news. And what is the good news? Well, I'm anointed to declare good news to the poor. Well, what's good news to a poor man? You don't have to be poor anymore. That's good news. What's good news to the brokenhearted? Huh? You can be healed. Somebody say, that's good news. Every one of these things is good news, especially if you're poor, especially if you're brokenhearted. Jesus is saying, I've got good news. I've got good news. The good news is you don't have to be poor. The good news is you can be healed. If you're in captive, in captivity, I got good news. I'm proclaiming liberty to the captives. Good news, captive. You don't got to be that way anymore. Good news. You can be free. Somebody say good news. He is anointed to, to proclaim and pre preach recovery of sight to the blind. We think of recovery of sight to the blind as, as something he did when he laid hands on them and suddenly they received their sight. And of course, we know that happened. But notice what he said here. I'm anointed to preach it. I'm anointed to preach recovery of sight. Why? Because that's good news. It's good news to the blind man to find out you don't have to be blind anymore. That's good news. And what's good news, not just to the naturally blind man, but, but to the spiritually blind person, the good news is you don't got to fumble around in the dark anymore. You don't got to trip over who knows what. You don't got to go 10 or 12 years down the wrong path only to find out you've been heading the wrong way and got to turn around and go somewhere. Oh, come on. Good news. The opening of your eyes, that the eyes of your heart may be flooded with light. What is that? That's good news. That is good news. And the headline of this news is unto us, a son's been born. The headline is we can have peace with God. That's good news. But man, you got to keep reading, don't you? You got to find out not just what the headline said, but all the details of the story. There's good news. And of course, it doesn't stop here. I mean, you think about what Jesus said in the scriptures. What's the big one we're, we're meditating on and thinking about in the coming year? That even though the thief came only to steal and to kill and to destroy, and you think, well, that's not good news. <laughs> no, keep listening. The good news is what? 
that Jesus came that you'd have life and have it how? More abundantly. What is that church? Come on, that is good news today. That is good news this morning that you have access to not just life, but so much life to the full till it overflows. And like we've already said, life abundantly can take care of a lot of stuff. Life abundantly can save you. Life abundantly can heal you. Life abundantly can restore you. Life abundantly can do a lot of things for you. And you start walking in it, you start experiencing a life that's uncommon to the rest of this world. And the good news here is it's yours. It's yours. I came that you may have it. That's good news. I was just thinking through just, just scriptures this morning. Just thinking, man, that's good news. He who knew no sin, but was made to be sin so that we who knew no righteousness could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What is that? Come on. Have you been here yet this morning? I'm, I'm needing some help. What is that? You just found out that you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. What is that? That's good news. I got some more good news for you. There is, therefore, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What is that? That's good news. That's good news for you. That's good news for me. There's good news. I got good news for you. He lived for you. He died for you. He rose again for you. You want some good news? He ever liveth to make intercession for you. He is in the presence of our father right now, making intercession. You know what that means? He's talking to God about you. He's, he's just talking to God about, uh, about this, this marvelous creation that he did, that he's made. Man, when we understand what it means for Jesus to make intercession for us, we'll live like people who just got some of the best news they've ever gotten in their lives. When you understand why you even pray in Jesus' name, you notice we say that. And it's not something, it's not just a tagline that goes at the end of a prayer. It's not something to just be grazed over or rushed past. You are praying in the name of Jesus, which means you are coming to God, not in your name, not in your identity, and certainly not on any good thing you've done, but you are coming in the name of Jesus. You went ahead and got out of your name and got in his. And the moment you pray that prayer of faith in his name, Jesus is making intercession for you, which means he turns to the father and now your prayer is coming out of his mouth. It's like Jesus himself is praying. What is that? That's good news, man. We've got some good news, don't we? Now it all came after this headline. Unto you is born this day a savior. But sadly, so many people never read past the headline. They want to tell you, that's the gospel. Well, yeah, it is. Sure. And normally, somebody is being kind of argumentative about that. In my experience, it's when you or I are preaching something that they don't believe is the gospel. Why do you spend all this time preaching this healing? Why do you spend time preaching prosperity. That's not the gospel. We preach the gospel. The gospel is that, that God loved you and he gave his son for you and he died for you and you can be saved. That's the gospel. Okay. Well, do you want to know why personally that I not just preach this stuff, I believe this stuff. You want to know why I believe that healing is for me? Why I believe it's for you? Why I'm going to preach it to this church? why I believe that God has a plan for you and I to prosper in every area of our lives, spirit, soul, and body. You want to know why I believe that? It's good news. That's good news. Let me tell you another story. It's a YouTube story. You're going to think I spend all my time on YouTube. I don't. But this happened just this week. 
If, you, if you're on YouTube at all, you know you watch something and YouTube thinks, oh, you like that? You'll like this. Most of the time I found they're wrong. Now I watch a lot of preaching on YouTube, which evidently makes YouTube think, oh, you'll just listen to preaching. No, I don't just listen to any preaching. But one came up and I clicked on it and bless his heart, it was a guy just kind of going off on us and, and making very clear to his congregation that just because you're born again, God never promised you wealth. He never promised you health. And his big statement was that Jesus is enough. And I'm not saying this to judge or be critical of anybody. You only know what you know. You've only got the light that you've got. But he kept saying this over and over. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And it was sort of a statement to, to fly in the face of a quote unquote prosperity preacher or the prosperity gospel. Now, let me tell you something. I don't like that term. It's a term that men made up. It's something that people labeled on something. And if you look to the source of it, it came from people who disagree with a message. The scripture doesn't talk about a prosperity gospel. The scripture talks about the gospel, the good news. But do you know, want, want to know why I believe prosperity is in it? Well, what's the first thing Jesus said he was anointed to preach? What was the first piece of good news he was anointed to declare? It was to the poor. It was to the poor. And this guy just kept saying over and over, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And what came up in my heart about that kind of surprised me. I'm going to say it to you. It's going to make you mad for a second, but hang on. <laughs> he kept saying, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. You know what my first thought was? No, he's not. He's more than enough. There's a difference. There's a difference. If he's enough, then, you know, you can make it. You can skirt by. You can, you can keep a heartbeat, but don't you dare ask for more than that. But that's not who he is. He never said that that's all he was. What did he say? I came that you'd have just enough life. Huh? I came, I, I put you at the table. I anointed your head with oil and I filled your cup to the top. I gave you enough. Quit asking for more. What did he say? My cup overflows. I came that you'd have life and have it how? More abundantly. Jesus is not just enough. Jesus is way, 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 way more than enough. More than enough. And you want to know why I believe that? You want to know why I believe it, why I preach it? It's not just because I grew up in a house that said it. It's not just because I grew up around a ministry that preached it all the time. I believe it. Jeremy Pearsons believes it apart from who Papa is, apart from who Mom and Dad are. I believe it because it's good news. It's good news. Man, it's good news to the poor. It's good news to the brokenhearted. You want to know what's not good news to the poor? Maybe God wants you that way. That's not good news. That's not what the poor man wants to hear. You know what's not good news to the brokenhearted? God's teaching you something. That's not good news. Here's what's good news. I'll heal that. Let, 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 put that in my hands, Jesus says. I'll take care of that. Good news. That's why I believe it. That's why I preach it. It's, it's that simple to me. It's good news. But do you remember what the angel said? I bring you good news of what? Great joy. We've talked about what the gospel is. Here's what the gospel does. It brings great joy. Now, when the scripture said great, you look that up in the Greek. It's the Greek word megas. Take a stab at what word we get from the Greek word megas. Anybody? 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 Mega. You're all Greek scholars. <laughs> mega joy. Come on, mega joy. Where'd that mega joy come from? The good news. 
But notice the angel said, I'm bringing you good news. Don't be afraid. Why? I got good news. The good news will deal with the fear. And you notice what the, it's what the angels had to say to every human they interacted with, Old Testament, New. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? I got good news. The good news will deal with the fear. See, the fear is the result of bad news, isn't it? Fear gets in because of a bad report. A bad report that creates a worrisome, a fearful expectation. But the angel of the Lord and now the word of the Lord to us is, okay, I heard the bad report, but I've got good news. So that should tell you something about the good news. Not only is it good news, it's better news. Better than what? Better than the bad news. I don't care what the bad news is. I've got better news. Are you listening to me, church? It doesn't matter what the bad news is. I've got better news. Some friends of ours who pastor a church in another country were telling their testimony one time. She had had uh, uh, some, some health difficulties, some challenges, um, conceiving a child and, and these different things like this. And she had gotten a really, really bad report from their doctor. This is bad news. And our friend, her husband, he took what was written and printed on paper from that doctor. This is what you have. This is your condition. This, these are your limitations. Here's what you cannot do. He took that literal physical piece of paper. He went home. He got, I think he said, on his uh, kitchen table. He put that report there. Then he said he got out his Bible. He put that report there. And he said out loud to himself and to his wife, I have two reports. Which report? what I believe. I've got a report from this doctor, but now over here, I've got a report from Dr. Jesus that says something else. I've got a report from this physician that says one thing. I've got news from the great physician that says something else. And he, this is all an outward demonstration. And this is good for you to do for you to make that choice. I believe the report of the Lord. This is my good news. Now, I know this is bad news, but this is better news. Better news trumps bad news any day of the week. Better news. So not only is it good news, it's better news. But not only is it better news, are you ready for this? It's the best news you've ever heard that anybody's ever heard. You will never hear better news than unto you a son was born. Unto you a child's been given. You've never heard better news that this one lived for you and he died for you and he rose again for you. You've never heard better news. You've never heard better news that, yeah, I know you were dead in sin, but by the mercy of God, you've been made alive and you've been seated with Jesus in heavenly places. What am I doing? I'm just giving you scripture. It's the gospel. I'm preaching the gospel to you. How do I know it's the gospel? Because it's good. And what it's designed to do is bring joy. Not just joy. What kind of joy? Mega joy. I heard it. Joy unspeakable, right? But look at that scripture. That's in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you, front row. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. It says, in this you greatly rejoice. That sounds like mega joy. Though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. That sounds like bad news. Verse 7, though, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, this is what genuine faith does. It brings praise to God. It brings honor to God. It brings glory to God. Verse eight, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, listen, yet believing you rejoice. Believing you rejoice. Say that with me. Believing you rejoice. These things are connected. This good news that we're talking all about this morning, 
is supposed to bring great joy, mega joy. And the angel even said it was to all people. So you've got what the gospel is, the good news. You've got what the gospel does. It brings joy. And you've got who the gospel's for, all people. But if all of that is true, then why aren't all people living in this joy unspeakable and full of glory? Where is that? For the good news to produce any joy in your life, you have to believe it. You have to believe it. I know it sounds simple and thank God it is. This is what he requires that you actually believe the good news. This is how the good news brings great joy when you believe it in Mark chapter six. This is Mark's account of what we read in Luke chapter four, Jesus standing up and preaching in the synagogue and, and declaring to the people there, the spirit of the Lord's on me. I'm anointed to declare and to preach to you the good news. And this is that same account. But you see this in Mark chapter six, after he had preached to them, it says in verse two, these, these people were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? What wisdom is this, which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. So Jesus stood up and said, attention, poor people. Now, how did he know there was poor people there? Because that was and is the condition of all men until they believe in the good news. I don't care how much money's in the bank. If you don't know Jesus, you are a poor man. You can be a poor man with some money, but you are a poor man. Attention, poor people, Jesus is saying. Attention, brokenhearted. Attention, captive. Attention, blind. Attention, oppressed. I got good news. And he preaches this good news, but notice how they responded to it. They're like, we know you. What are you doing? They're talking about anointing. Get down from there. We know you. You grew up over here. Your sister, your brothers are all right here. Anointed. Psh, give me a break. The Bible says they were offended. Disconnected. They didn't believe it. They didn't mix what they heard with faith in it. It says they were offended at him. And Jesus said in verse four, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives and in his own house. What's the result? Verse five, he could do no mighty work there. Didn't say he wouldn't do it. See, religion has taught you and I that we know God can, we just don't know if he will. You know why I don't like that? That's not good news. That's bad news. Because if God, maybe he will and maybe he won't, man, we're stuck. What's there to even have faith for? That's not good news. But that's what religion's taught. We know he can, we just don't know if he will. But you look to the scripture and you find out that Jesus went about in all these cities and villages teaching and preaching and healing and teaching and preaching and healing. And he came into his own hometown with all that same willingness to heal, that readiness to heal, and even declared to them, this is what the anointing's on me to do. But because they didn't believe it, it didn't change his willingness but it limited his ability. Like I said, religion said God can, we just don't know if he will. But the truth is God will. God is willing. He's always been willing. He is now and will always be willing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But you have to find out, can he? Is he able to in my life? What is the door that opens up and increases his ability to work in your life. Well, Jesus said, without honor, I can't do anything here. What is that? That's just simply believing he is who he said he is. That's it. Believing. 
There were people that came to him one day after he had fed them miraculously out on the side of the hill. And they came to him looking for him again. And he called them on it. He said, you're not looking for me for any other reason than because you saw the sign and you want a free meal. They figured out if we'll just follow this guy around all the time and somebody just keep a few crackers in your pocket, we'll eat for free forever. None of us will ever buy a meal again. And they came to him and he said, you're not seeking me. You're seeking these signs. And they said to him, teach us to do the works of God. In other words, fine. If you're not going to do it, show us how to do it. Teach us how to do that thing with the bread and the fish. What'd you do? Show me that. In their mind, they're talking to a magician and they want to know his tricks. You know what Jesus said to them? Your work is to believe. It's not what they wanted to hear. They want to know how you do that thing with the fish, how you do that thing with the Trisket. I want to know how you do that. I'm hungry and I'm broke. <laughs> he said, no, your work is to believe. Believe the good news. That's your job, man. That is your job. That is mine. And what happens when you believe the news, joy comes. That's your only way into the joy. That's the only way this mega joy comes over you. That's the only way you live in, in joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's the, and now, now we're all the way back to daddy coming home, right? It's like a child being reunited with their father and not even knowing how to express it. It's just that silent, deep cry of joy and gratitude and thanksgiving. Daddy's back. That's good news to a child. Hey, daddy's home. That's good news. But the only way to experience that joy is to actually believe it. Believe. Amen. Sadly, every poor person that Jesus preached to that day in his own hometown came poor, left poor. Though the anointing was present to deliver them from it. Every broken hearted person left that day. Instead of leaving healed, they left with their bitterness intact. Every captive person, instead of experiencing their freedom, because just simply because they didn't believe the good news, they left that day still in prison, still held captive. Every blind person left blind. Every oppressed left under that heavy weight of bondage. Isn't that sad? Sad to think that if all they had done is believe the good news, they could have been free. But go to the book of Romans and we'll wrap it up like this. We've kept you just a little long today. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Romans chapter 10. Musicians, you guys can begin to make your way this way. Verse 6 says, The righteousness of faith speaks. Do you notice that? Faith's got something to say. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring up Christ from the dead. What's he saying? I got good news. He already came down. He already rose up. You, you don't got to write that story again. That's good news, isn't it? Verse seven, or, or who will descend into the abyss to bring Christ up from the dead? Verse 8, what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What is that? There you go. I heard it. Come on. All right. Time to wake back up. What is that? If you, it's good news. What's good news? That if, if you will just confess this with your mouth and believe this in your heart, I got good news. What's the good news, Jeremy? The good news is you will be saved. Oh, and it would be funny if it wasn't so sad. The people who think that this message is nothing, it's not the gospel. They're preaching some other gospel when you say that you can have what you say or that there's power in your words. Listen to me. If there's no power in your words... You're not born again. You're not saved. None of us are. 
Because according to the scripture, the way to be saved is to get your mouth and your heart in the same place. And to say with your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. What is that? You're telling him, I'm done being Lord. I'm done being God. I've been my own Lord for as long as I've been around. And look at the mess that I've made. My Lordship is what made this mess. I'm done. You be Lord. I call you Lord. And you believe something in your heart. You believe. You do what? You believe. This is your work right here. This is your job. This is your God-given job to do, to believe in your heart that he raised Jesus from the dead. If you'll do that, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, the scripture says, so you know, whatever's coming after this is what? Good news. The scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. That's good news. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. That's good news. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. That's good news. For whoever, that's good news, calls on the name of the Lord, that's good news, will be saved. That is, that's the good news. But listen to verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? You're not calling on a God you don't believe in. You're going to call on him. Now he said, if you call on him, you will be saved. But then he starts to backtrack here. How do we get to the end of this? How do we walk in this piece of good news? You can be saved. Saved from what? Saved from whatever you're in that you need to be saved from. Saved from hell and eternity. Saved from hell on earth. You can be saved. How do you, how do you be saved? You call on the name of the Lord. Okay, well, how am I going to call on somebody I haven't believed in? So if I'm going to call on him, I got to believe. Okay, Lord, I believe. I believe there is a God and I believe he loves me. I believe he gave his son for me. I believe. But listen, how will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? You can't believe a word you hadn't heard yet. You can't believe the good news until you've heard the good news. How will they believe on him they haven't heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And the preacher in the house said, amen. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. What did those angels come preaching? The gospel. But what was their message? Peace. That's the gospel. Peace. The war is over. Peace between God and his man. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring, you ready? Glad tidings of good things. The gospel, the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Who's believed the good news? Verse 17, faith, the ability to believe the good news comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want to put some faith in the good news? Hear the good news. You got to hear it and hear it and hear it. And every time you give in some bad news, what do you do? Go back to the better news, right? And that bad news will try to preach to you. That bad news will try to paint a picture of the evil that's to come. And being a person of faith, it doesn't mean you deny the existence of the bad news. It just means you acknowledge the higher reality of the better news, the good news. Glory to God. Would you stand on your feet with me this morning? Somebody say, we've got good news. We have got some good news. Thank you, Lord. And it's not just good news. It's better news. It's not just better news. It's the best news you've ever heard. Just in that one verse alone, Luke 2.10, when the angel said, don't be afraid. I'm going to tell you what the good news is. I'm going to tell you what the good news does. And I'm going to tell you who the good news is for. The good news, the gospel, there's a savior. You know what that should do? If you believe that, 
You'll experience joy unspeakable. Now, who's that for? Well, we read this in the scripture today. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. What's that mean? God's not looking at these lines that we use to divide ourselves into. This good news was for everybody. It was for and is for all people. No matter where you've been, what you've done, no matter how far down the wrong path you've gone, I got good news. There's a better path. There's a right path. There's a path that lights up by his word. There's a path that gets brighter and brighter every single day. That's good news to somebody who's been wandering down the wrong one. And this is good news for you. It's to all people. Aren't you glad, man? Aren't you glad that the angel didn't say, I've got good news for you four. <laughs> I've got good news for this handful. And this is for all people for all time. Would you bow your head with me this morning? Father, we acknowledge the good news today. Oh, thank you for the good news. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That you didn't spare Jesus, you didn't hold him back, but you freely gave him. And you said in your own word that if you didn't spare your own son, how would you not also with him freely give us all things? Oh, that's good news, Lord. That is such good news to us today. And we believe it. You're looking at a room full of believers here, Heavenly Father, who will take you at your word. And Lord, I imagine that most every one of us in this place today have done exactly what your scripture said to do. We've confessed Jesus as our Lord. We've believed in our heart that you raised him from the dead. And, and Lord, we call you faithful to your word. You've saved us. And there are many, many, many of us in here who could attest to the fact that you've saved us not just once, but over and over and over again. You've rescued us. And how grateful we are that you've made the promise of heaven. And heaven's a reality to us. And that this life is not all there is, but that there are greater things yet to come. Well, Lord, if there's anybody in this room this morning that has not made that decision or, or said those words or believed those things that you instructed in your word, and Jesus is not yet the Lord of their lives. Father, I'm, I'm asking you to stir some faith on the inside of them today. They've heard the word, so I know faith is present. I ask you, Lord, to pull on their heart and cause them to know that's you. That's not just some emotion. That's not just the soul. That, that is the beginning of a spirit coming alive unto you. And Lord, I'm going to make an invitation right now to anybody who's in the room or anybody who's watching us online now or later. And if you've never made Jesus your Lord, if you've never, if you've never done, never, never quit being your own God, I'm encouraging you today, quit it. You don't make a good God. You make an excellent son. You make an excellent daughter. But you're not capable of being your own God. He is. And if you don't know him, you can today. Now, nobody's looking around. Nobody's checking anything out here. But if there's anybody in this room that would raise a hand and say, I want to know him. I've heard the good news. And for the first time in my life today, I believe the good news. If that's you, would you just raise a hand and let us pray with you this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What I'd like to do this morning is invite some of our altar ministers, and I didn't give them the heads up on this, and we haven't done it yet. So if I've just got some from our staff that are available today, I'm going to ask them to come and stand at this altar. If you raised a hand this morning, these people are standing here ready to welcome you to the family. And I saw a hand go up, so I think this is what we're going to do together today. Every single one of us are going to respond to the good news this morning. 
So why don't you just say it out loud? Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. He is my Lord. I repent of my past, of sin, of failure, of mistakes, and I receive the cleansing of my spirit. I am born again. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I belong to you, Lord Jesus. Take my life. Do something with it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe the good news in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise together this morning. Thank you, Lord. Sarah, would you come on up? Thank you, Lord. How many of you believe you've heard some good news today? Now you got the headline, right? But the story goes on. There's more good news in every piece of the story after the headline. It's good news. It's good news. What you just prayed is some of the best news you've ever heard in your life. Old things, are they still hanging around? Is there a little bit of the old stuff left? No, in the eyes of God, old things are passed away. All things have become new. Shout it out loud. That's good news in Jesus' name. Okay. Well, Sarah and I love you very much. We're so thankful that you are a part of this church family. We're growing. Look at this. Thank God we're growing. God's bringing people to us. And we are excited about this year that's just in front of us. Listen, you can have the very best Christmas that you and your family have ever had. I want you to choose today to enter into the rest of God, the peace of God. And if I were to tell you Christmas is five, six days away, if you break out in a cold sweat, you're not in the peace yet. <laughs> Listen, everything's going to be all right. All that stuff you think you got to do, ask yourself, why do I got to do this? Why do I got to make my house look like Buckingham Palace? Ain't nobody thinking they come into the queen's house, man. Just open the door, let them in, put some food out for them and just love people. Be kind to them. And watch as the kindness of God working in you and through you opens the door for favor. You may have family that have not yet been receptive to the good news. Be kind to them. Being a jerk to them does not make them warm up to Jesus any sooner. But being kind will open their heart to the gospel. Amen? Amen. We love you. If you need prayer for anything, we've got... Uh, Chris and Cindy, thank you. And Michael and Lauren are standing here. Um, come and give each other a few feet if you can. Uh, if not, you'll be all right. Okay, I do have one thing to say. <laughs> one thing he keeps saying, and it's just standing out to me, is that believing the good news produces great joy. Well, what does believing the bad news do? Yeah. It steals your joy. It steals your joy. And you become depressed. Yeah. And you can become more upset than you ought to be. And so this is a great gauge on what you are believing. Are you in faith and believing? Because if you are, you will have great joy. Amen. But if you aren't, and your mind is wondering and you're thinking on things that you shouldn't be, you will have an absence of joy. And you will have no peace. So at any point in life, any point in your day, you can get a gauge on what's going on in your heart by the joy that's on the outside. The fruit of our lips, giving thanks and praise to his name. What is that? That's an expression of what's going on in the heart. I just keep having this come up in my heart for the like, past two weeks. Stop saying, this has been a hard year. Stop saying that. What is that? That is focusing on bad news or bad things that have happened. But if you believe the good news, you believe that the best days are yet to come. That you're still living, you're still alive, and this is God's perspective. Change your perspective. How do you do that? 
being thankful for what God's done for you. You know, I could have got really upset this week when I fell. But you know what? I have so many things to be thankful for. God has given me what this has been one of the greatest years of my life. That's right. And I am so grateful and so thankful. And I can change my perspective just like that by being thankful. Great believing real faith people have great joy. Amen. And I believe that this church is a light to this whole community, to this city, and to the whole world. Amen. And what gives that light out? It's joy. great joy. Amen. 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 We love you so much. We love you. Now listen, it's so important that you be all this coming week where you're supposed to be. Don't let pressure, because you've got to get something done, put you in a place you're not supposed to be. So critical. That's why we're believing with you this week that by his help, by his grace, and by the leadership of his spirit, this week and all the time, you will be in the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people in Jesus' name. Amen? They're going to sing. We're going to be dismissed. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text Legacy in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.